Hi, and welcome to Shadow Talk's weekly intelligence summary track, where our team of analysts dive into the top threat intelligence stories each week. To read their full findings and analysis, make sure to visit resources.digitalshadows.com. Now here's your host, Harrison Van Riper. What's up, everybody? I'm Harrison Van Riper, and this is Shadow Talk Digital Shadows Weekly Threat Intelligence Podcast. Joining me today in the Dallas office is Casey. Miss Casey, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. And then joining us on the line is Alex Giraku. He is at home with Zuko. Alex, how are you? Great. How are you both? It, that was a resounding, very happy great. Are you just are you are you just ready for the weekend to hit? I am more than ready for the weekend to hit. It's been a long week. It's been a long week, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm ready to sleep in. It's, a str- it's struggling right now. Um, all right, well, hopefully this will be quick and painless for each of you. Uh, but let's go through some of the week's uh, threat intel. First up, Alex, you wrote the main article this week. Uh, it's about TA505 and some new tools and kind of their ongoing activities. So why don't you give us a breakdown of what's going on there? Yeah, so TA505 is a financially motivated threat group that's been likely attributed to Russia, but I don't think anyone is 100% certain. But what's interesting is that they were recently observed using two new malware variants in an ongoing cyber ca- in an ongoing cyber campaign that was targeting a variety of sectors um, amongst those financial services, retail, manufacturing um, across the world. So it wasn't just limited to one country or a few countries. Um, they were seen targeting North America, South America, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. So pretty much everywhere. And the two new malware variants were tracked as Andromut, which is a downloader with code-based similarities to Andromeda and QT Loader, both of which are widely available. So that suggests that Andromut was developed from those by TA505. And then there's Flower Pippi, which is a backdoor that's used to establish footholds in device and which is used to establish footholds and can also drop additional payloads. Um, during the infection process for Flower Pippi, it can collect and exfiltrate some info about the uh, compromised device, and it can also receive some additional commands from TA505 from TA505 server. So, TA505 is well known for using the flawed Amy Rat, which is a custom Rat that's likely been attributed to TA505. We really haven't seen it being used elsewhere and by other groups, and. Frequently, they've been using the Flawed Amy downloader um, as the sole downloader for Flawed Amy. But in these campaigns, they were using both the Andromut downloader and the Flower Pippi backdoor to install Flawed Amy on the machine, which is interesting. And some other campaigns also delivered other malware that the group has previously used, like the Information Stealer Email Stealer, which is an incredibly clever name, and the backdoor <laughs> Serve Helper. What could it do? How, I have how do you know no what idea what Email Stealer does. What could that possibly be? And, and these two groups, like Flower Pippi and Andromut, um, have also been likely custom developed by TA505. So if one thing remained pretty consistent across all of these campaigns is that the infection process was pretty similar, and that also aligns with previous TA505 attacks. So essentially, they'll send phishing emails with either weaponized documents or URLs um, through a spam campaign. And then when opened, the attachment or URL will download another malicious macro-enabled document, which can then in turn execute a command that downloads either the Andromud loader, the Flower Pippi backdoor, or the Flawed Amy downloader. And then in most examples, those downloaded Flawed Amy rat, but like I said previously, some other malware like Email Stealer and Serve Helper were also in, downloaded in some cases. And so TA505 remains one of the most active financially motiv- motivated threat groups. Um, they were first identified in 2014 
And since then, they've been seen using a wide range of malware. Interestingly, uh, they started off using um, commodity malware, so things like banking trojans and ransomware that are pretty commonly available. Um, examples include Lockheed, Drydex, and TrickBot. But since 2017, the group has been more focused on developing their own malware. So they've been uh, loading up their toolkit with some custom tools like Amy, which they've been relying on pretty, pretty regularly since at least March 2018. So despite their ability to create custom malware, they're pretty technically sophisticated. Their attacks still continue to rely on pretty simplistic tactics um, to achieve initial infection. So since 2014, uh, most of these campaigns have involved either spam or phishing emails with these weaponized lure documents and malicious macros. And this is a tactic that's seen extremely commonly, almost overwhelmingly so, by a bunch of different types of threat actors. So even up to the most sophisticated advanced persistent threat groups, they still use phishing as a common attack vector. And to me, that suggests that this is still seen as a viable tactic. You know, even as people um, become more educated about the risks of phishing, because these threat groups are still using it, it, it must still be viable. So they must still be infecting a, a significant amount of people. They've also been um, relying on botnets pretty consistently to help distribute these large volumes of their phishing emails. Uh, previously, they were known to use the Neckers botnet, but over the past six months, we haven't really seen any indication that Neckers infrastructure was used in their campaigns. Instead, we've seen them rely on the Amade botnet, which, like Neckers, isn't exclusive to the group. It's offered for rent on several Russian forums, for example. Um, and there's no real indication as to why they changed, but it's a possibility that because they were almost too reliant on Neckers, and that was widely known by pretty much everyone, their move to the other one was a, an attempt to hinder the attribution of their attacks. So I was reading the incident this morning, Alex, and I saw that you put together a really, really sweet little graph uh, that kind of describes their attack, you know, flow, I guess. Um, I really liked it. So everybody go and read that. Everybody should go read that. What can we expect from TA505 in the future? So I think that if anything, based on their previous activity, they're pretty much, um, they're pretty likely to continue relying on the flawed Amy rat. That's probably not going to change. And it's also not going to change that they're going to rely on phishing emails and these mass spam campaigns. Um, but what might change is that they could continue developing these uh, more sophisticated custom malware that's based off other widely available types of malware. Um, and they're also probably going to continue attacking a bunch of different organizations across the world. They haven't really shown to favor any specific target geography. Um, so they might expand to more geographies over the next year. And they've also shown the ability to be able to specifically um, use to specifically target one geography over others. So for example, previous campaigns have specifically targeted the Middle East and not any other geographies. And so they could possibly continue doing similar things uh, in the future. All right. Good stuff. Not good stuff from them, but good, good analysis there from you. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you want to go read the entire uh, intelligence summary, be sure to go to resources.digitalshadows.com. All right, let's move forward. Casey, tell me about the craziness that is this Zoom vulnerability, whatever it is. Give me some info. Yeah, so Security Reach has publicly disclosed a vulnerability that affects the Mac OS version of Zoom video conferencing applications. 
Vulnerability reportedly allows anyone to forcibly join another user's Zoom call, but also activates their video camera without their permission. I don't know about you guys, but that gives me the heebie-jeebies. That is not good. A preliminary patch for this vulnerability was released in late March. Uh, while there's no indication that the vulnerability has been exploited in the wild, proof of concept exploits have been dropped. So it's very possible that threat actors will attempt to exploit the vulnerability probably within the next few weeks. All right, Alex, moving on to you. Uh, we've got some new mage card activity as well. And what they compromised like 960 e-commerce stores, is that right? Yeah, everybody loves some good mage card activity. And so in this case, they were seen compromising, I think it was 962 online stores with automated techniques. And so like previous attacks, they compromise complete customer financial details. So things like credit card data, um, full names, telephone numbers, and physical addresses. They, they didn't specify which entities were affected, but they were reportedly small scale organizations, which had previously been targeted by a couple of the mage card groups. And so there's a possibility that other mage card groups as well have changed their operational methods to conduct smaller stores rather than the big ones, but that remains to be seen. All right, then Casey, bring us home with Soda no Kibi. One, probably one of the funnest ransomware names to say. Really. I like to say it over and over again to myself. Yeah, so give, give me the update on that. Yeah, so uh, Soda no Kibi has recently been seen targeting unidentified organizations in the Asia-Pacific region. This includes Taiwan, Hong Kong, and South Korea. The ransomware has included new features which allows it to elevate Windows privileges to the highest level through exploitation of CVE 2018-8453, and they also use legitimate processor functions to avoid detection. Now this is really interesting because privilege escalation is uncommon in ransomware, and it highlights the sophisticated nature of Soda no Kibi and its developers. The ransomware has previously been used to target managed service provider customers, and is also repeatedly uninstalled antivirus products to avoid detection. Future Soda no Kibi campaigns, which incorporate increasingly sophisticated tactics, are likely to occur over the next 3 to 12 months. Soda no Kibi. Soda no Kibi. It's such a cool name. All right, well, that will do it for us for this week on the Threat Intelligence Wrap-Up. Um, as every week, we end with a question of the week. Um, right off the top of my head, what would you name your ransomware? Soda no Kibi is already <laughs> taken. <laughs> So I'm going to follow the uh, the clever naming system of TA505 and name my ransomware uh, file encryptor. And it wouldn't surprise me if that already exists. Boring. What is that supposed to do? I have no idea. <laughs> what could it possibly do? All right, but you and you have, we, we discussed this, you have a, a Shiba Inu, so you would obviously request it be paid in Doge. Yes. Dogecoin only. Yes. Okay, Casey, what about you? I would probably name it Joker's Wild. Dang. Oh, oh man. That's a good one. <laughs> you know it means business. That's a good one. Oh, man. That's good. That's good. You did good, Harry. Thank you. I, I appreciate I it. I try. I try. All right. Thank you, guests. Thank you, listeners. Hopefully you stay stuck, <laughs> stuck through that ransomware discussion. Uh, talk to you all next week. Bam. <laughs>